Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so we definitely want to get this conversation started. But first, we need to remind everybody to swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Check out the Patreon, one tier, $2, and a lot of content on the way. The T Public Store, Parlay Points blog section, the directory, which has every single provider we can think that we are on to give to you. So there's no way you can't follow, subscribe, and drop a five-star review to the ODPH if you swing through that page. Also, the classified section has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, and so much more. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod on social media. But let's kick off this edition of the sports show with a breakdown of the week that was the NFL. Gee, money, Christmas. Wow. There is a lot to digest. So, Pad, let's just go right into it with our locks and leaps picks. Yeah, so obviously uh, two of the lock, one of the locks I took was the Buffalo Bills, which I know we'll get to in a minute. Uh, So the other one I chose was the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Indianapolis Colts, which they did not. Indianapolis won by the final score of 20-17. to Uh, Matt Ryan, 27 of 37 for 222 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Patrick Mahomes, 20 of 35 for 262 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Also should note, Jonathan Taylor only had 71 carry, or seventy-one yards. Excuse me. Holy shit. Can you imagine 71 carries? That'd be insane. That'd be amazing. That'd be insane. That'd be amazing for my fantasy team. Uh, especially if you're in, your, you're in a PPR league. Oh, yeah, my God, Jesus. yeah. Jesus. Uh, 71 yards rushing, no touchdowns. Uh, and then on the other side uh, for receiving, you had Juju Smith-Schuster, 89 yards, no touchdowns. And then Michael Pittman Jr., 72 yards, no touchdowns. The easy takeaway is... They are who we thought they were. Yeah, the the Indianapolis Colts finally showed up. The most boring team in football did what they do best. Mm-hmm. Win ugly. There is no anything highlight-worthy about this team's offense. I'm sorry. They play it as old school as it gets. Yep. They will put you to sleep with how conservative they run their offense. They are a great team. Don't get me wrong. They do show up. They do play hard. and It's not a knock on them. But they are just as basic as it gets for how mm-hmm. they execute their, their game. And I honestly thought, with the struggles that they have had thus far, Kansas City should have put up 38 in the sleep. You would think. Because Kansas City is the high-powered offense. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have Tyreek Hill. Not a problem. Other receivers are getting involved in the game. And then they run into the Colts. And the Colts figured out how to slow them down. Mm-hmm which is something I think a lot of teams are going to be watching moving forward. And I think for Kansas City, even though this is the first loss, and this is not a bad loss per se, 
something happened on the sideline that I think has kind of maybe been hidden a little bit. And maybe yeah. maybe I'm, I'm going to say the allegedly's here because it, the optics really kind of showed that there was a disconnect between mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes and Eric Benemy, their offensive coordinator. Yeah. And we have never seen that before. No, and, and I think – Obviously, there are some growing pains with this offense in Kansas City in in that, yes, Travis Kelsey is still there. Yes, you still have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is still there. But by and large, at least to my eyes, and Kansas City fans, I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I'm not intimately familiar with your team from year to year. Mm-hmm. A lot of that offense is is new. So, yes, you know, Tyreek Hill is gone. In comes Juju Smith-Schuster. In comes Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which, listen, they're good receivers. Solid receivers. Are they Tyreek Hill? No. no. You know, do the two of them combined equal Tyreek Hill? No. No, it, not it, even close. It, it comes semi-close, not even kind of close, you know. But, you know, there are some obvious growing pains with this, and I think the frustration is showing with Patrick because they had some great couple of weeks, but then, you know, he let his emotions get the better of him because there was that disagreement, you know, that argument, whatever it was on the sidelines. I mean, listen, for all we know, they could have been arguing about what the dinner plans were for after the game. You know, I'm no lip, I'm no lip reader, you know, but the optics and the visuals are there was a disagreement on the sidelines. And you listen, you don't want to have that play out on the field. Keep it behind closed doors. Yeah, of course. Because this is how bulletin board material starts, and this is how you let, you know, this is how you let the quote-unquote enemy know that there's division in the ranks and that they can exploit those divisions in X, Y, and Z, you know, art of war stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So is it cause for concern? Maybe, you know, just because, I mean, I'm lo- looking at the standings. That's not saying that schedule. Uh, looking at the standings, you know, the Indianapolis Colts are currently in second place in the AFC South behind the Kansas City or the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, so... It, and I think it's a little because it's not exactly, you know, a team that's like one and two, oh, and three. It's like, oh, hey, you know, they just got lucky, you know, hey, any given Sunday. You know, this this is a team that is, you know, right in that hunt for, you know, for first place in their division. You know, so is, is it, you know, panic button? Oh, my God, DEFCON 5, you know, holy shit, the sky's falling? No, but y- you might raise an eyebrow. You'll definitely raise an eyebrow, especially with a team that many feel we're going to go back to the Super Bowl. Like, the Kansas City Chiefs have had a great run as of late. You can't take anything away from that. Andy Reid has put something very special together down there in Kansas City. Obviously, without Tyreek Hill, it's a different offense. It definitely looks it. It definitely runs different. You can tell if you've watched enough Chiefs games to understand this. Yeah. And where the big question is, Mahomes got frustrated. Mm -hmm. So did the enemy. Where is this now going to go? Because if they win big next week, everybody's going to forget about it. Mm -hmm. Winning is the biggest Band-Aid you can ever find to cover a wound. However, if they struggle again, and let's say they win ugly. Let's say they win, you know, a a 21-17 to game or something like that. The question marks will come out again. What's wrong with Kansas City's offense? And for a team that has been known to put up points in their sleep, Mm Mm-hmm. This was a true test against, uh, I mean, let's face it, the record doesn't reflect it, but Indianapolis is a playoff-worthy team. Yeah. They're going to struggle if they go to the postseason. And I know we're saying, okay, this is way too early. It's week three. There really isn't that problems. But Kansas City has not looked like Kansas City. No. And, and and they didn't last year, but they, in my opinion, they got lucky last year mm-hmm. with the run they went on. I don't think they can do that two years in a row. I don't think they can either. I mean, that's the one thing about them is – the NFL is very smart about catching up to teams that are 
we'll say a dynasty. Sure. And I know it's very early to say. I mean, the last one we had is the Patriots. We got to give the Devils their due. But when teams start looking at how you're doing your business, they start picking it apart and they start implementing styles. They start implementing ways to beat you. It's one thing about the league. Like you, that's why you always see so much parity yeah. amongst the teams. And that's why you say, okay, there really isn't anything that lasts that long. Mm-hmm. Because once you get figured out, it's tough to rebound. It, it genuinely is. And to think about it, I mean, since they've come into the season, I mean, obviously the game against the Cardinals is what it is. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. They struggle against the Chiefs or uh, Chargers, rather. Yeah. They And so now this is the second week in a row that you won by three. And these are against your AFC rivals. Like I said, the the, the Cardinals game I'm going to throw away because that is a lot of Arizona still finding their way. And they've had a lot of offseason drama to deal with. Yeah. And I'm going to say that they weren't looking like the Chiefs old because you think, okay, 44 points. Yeah, it kind of does. But then in seeing how the Cardinals have struggled this season, maybe that's kind of an illusion. Yeah. And I know it's still too early. Like, oh, wow, this is a super you know, crazy prediction to say, but – Three games in, you're starting to get a real temp of how each team is factoring out. Right. The Chiefs do not look like the Chiefs of old. Well, and especially I went down a little further. They've got uh, they had two fumbles on Sunday, which you got to figure is driving Mahomes batshit crazy up a wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think that he knows this too because when you're so used to winning, the taste of losing or struggling is something that you're not going to adjust to. And I think in his case, he's so much of a proven winner, that he's not handling this well. No. I don't think that team is handling it well. That, sure, you're winning games, but you're not winning like the Chiefs have won. Mm-hmm. I mean, after week one, we all thought everything was back to normal. But after seeing how the Cardinals have played, I'm having second guesses about that. And I think yeah. that's a very fair statement. And I think now you've seen against the Chargers, which is the vision. You knew they were going to step up. Now against the Colts, who have had their struggles, let's face it. Oh, yeah. At one point, I think we're all ready to say Carson Wentz was a better option than Matt Ryan, things I never thought I'd say on this podcast. Yeah, really. But here we are. And now Matt Ryan found a way to win. This team won ugly. And for the Chiefs, it's not going to get any better moving forward. Looking at their schedule pad, they have got a very, very tough road the next four games at least. Yeah. They got the Buccaneers coming up next week. Hey. Then you got the Raiders, which mm. division, and listen, I don't care how much the Raiders have struggled, they're going to show up for that game. Mm-hmm. And Plus it's primetime Monday night. Exactly. That's going to be an absolute fist fight on that field. Oh, yeah. And I don't expect the Chiefs to really drop anything crazy on them. I know the Raiders have had their struggles. We'll get into that a little later. I fully expect them to be ready for this one. Oh, yeah. Week after, they're hosting the Buffalo Bills. Right. And then they close out October with the 49ers. Yeah. And it's going to be a make-or-break time these next four games because you're talking about playoff-worthy teams. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about slouches. You're not talking about the teams that have really struggled out the gate. I mean, you can say the Raiders, sure, but that's division. So that's why I say you can, the, you can never guarantee anything with division games. Exactly. So that's why I say this next four-game stretch is going to make or break this team. Without question in my mind. Well, and even after that four-game stretch, it doesn't get any easier because they got the bye week after San Francisco. Then they've got Tennessee, Jacksonville, the Chargers, Rams, Bengals, Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders. Yeah, I mean. There it, there are some yikes games in there. Right. And that's, with, with the Chiefs as they currently stand. Exactly. So unless they figure a way to right the ship, 
they're going to keep struggling. And I think that we might see if it's another close game, they're going to have another blowout on the sideline. And if that's the case, yeah, that dynasty that they have built is coming down very, very fast. But we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Next up, though. Uh, so the two leaps I chose were the New England Patriots, which we'll get to in a minute. But the other one I chose was the and the only game I got right of the weekend uh, was the Dallas Cowboys to beat the New York Giants, which they did by the final score of 23-16. to Cooper Rush, 21 of 31 for 215 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Daniel Jones, 20 of 37 for 196 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. And boy, was that a costly one. Was it ever? Like we talked about Indianapolis's future. Actually, we really didn't spend a lot of time because their season's pretty much still up in the air. Yeah. So is the NFC least. But we will say this. We both felt Dallas was going to show up for this uh-huh. one. I didn't care what the Giants were 2-0. and And I know that the Giants faithful, your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, was already printing Super Bowl tickets. Yep. This game really showed what this team is going to be moving forward. Plus, and, it just shows how much Daniel Jones hates Monday nights. He was 0-8 going into this game on Monday night. Now he's 0-9. Mm-hmm. The struggles that the Giants have, they live and die by their offensive line. Mm-hmm. When they can play decently, yeah, they'll show up, and they'll be in games. The Dallas Cowboys defense puts so much pressure on Daniel Jones that – if they had their offense clicking just a little bit more, this would have been like a 48-point blowout. Oh, easily. You know, because Daniel Jones mentioned all the offensive stats. I, I guess you could say the defensive stats. He did get sacked five times. Exactly. He didn't have time to really do anything in the primetime lights. This isn't against him. Because I know we've been very critical of Daniel Jones. Rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, we've been very honest about him. But this really falls on the Giants' offensive line or lack thereof. Their play on Monday night was absolutely atrocious. And on the flip side, Cooper Rush looked good. Yeah. And granted, it's still against the Giants and it's the NFC least, but he looked very good in the spots he was in. And I will say this, I think maybe there's a little running back controversy now in in Dallas. Tony Pollard looked a lot better than Ezekiel Elliott, in my opinion. That's been the case the last couple of years. Right, but I think now under the primetime lights – he really stood out. He really took that game over. And it's not to say Elliott had a bad game. I mean, we were talking about Pollard's 105 yards to Elliott's 73-1. and one. Right. If they can get a two-headed monster running for Dallas, that will open up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think against a team like the Giants, who is still learning uh, how to win, per se, because obviously they won two ugly games prior, yep. this was a now real test, and – they came up very short because I think teams are starting to figure him out a little bit. And if they can put that much pressure on Daniel Jones, it's going to be an easy win. In Dallas's favor, though, this was a huge win. Division rival really set a, a statement win for the rest of their division, which, I mean, Philly is on fire right now. The commanders, bum, 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 are who they are. But I think for everybody that was writing Dallas off for dead, there's still life in them. Well, and plus the thing, too, with the Giants, as much like we alluded to last week, was, you know, we'll wait and see. Everyone was singing Denver's praises last year when Denver started 3-0. But then they're like, hey, wait a minute. Look at the fact that their opponents are combined 0-9. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, the Giants were were 2-0 going into this, but their their uh, opponents now are a combined 2-4. and four. Yeah. It's a wild scenario, but this plays a big factor that 
we can make two early predictions. And I think that the season is really kind of starting to settle in. And the Giants really look like the team that we thought they were going to be. Yeah. They're not going to be a playoff-worthy team unless they really pull unless something some, together. Unless some weird shit happens. Right. They're just not. They're not there yet. Not to say that the new regime is not going to build them into something. But I think that you're going to have too many holes on your offensive line this mm-hmm, season mm-hmm. to really make a deep run. Because I'm sorry, even if you have a subpar line, you need to have an amazing quarterback behind it to really make a run in the playoffs. Right. I will be the first one to tell you because that was the Bills last year. Yeah. And Josh Allen made magic happen more than I think anybody should have. Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen. I know. No. And, and I keep on seeing these comparisons. Yeah. Albeit, though, there was one tweet that was absolutely epic that really made that point very, very well. And I have to say, it was one of the funniest things I have ever seen about this. I know Pat is looking this up right now. Uh, yeah, so a gentleman by the name of Charles James II said, Daniel Jones is just as good as Josh Allen. He just doesn't have an offensive line. Good night. Uh, former NFL player Sean Merriman uh, quote tweeted it and said, the only thing they do the same is throw to Diggs. Yes, because Trayvon Diggs got his first interception of the season at the most costly time. Uh-huh. And that's to say the Giants were still in this game, but it wasn't by much. They were on life support. Yeah. And then, obviously, Daniel Jones, who had been pressured over 20 times, and yep. I got the exact stat, sacked five times. He just threw it in, in I'm not going to say in a panic mode, but obviously you're trying to make something happen with time running out. Well, and, and things look good for the Giants offensively because Saquon Barkley's having a resurgence. You know, 14 carries, 81 yards, one touchdown. Fucking cost me my fantasy game. Thanks, Saquon. Mm-hmm. You know, but then on the receiving side, you know, it's really nothing to write home about. I mean, Sterling Shepard, five catches, 49 yards, no touchdowns. But you're now out him for the remainder of the year because he tore his ACL during the game. On a basic run, too. Yeah, hey, freak injury. It happens. Yeah. You know, but then you look at the rest of the receivers. Okay, Saquon Barkley, obviously he's a commodity you you know about. Daniel Bellinger, four catches. Yeah, exactly. Four catches, 40 yards. Richie James. Who? Four catches, 36 yards. David Stills, the fifth. Two catches, 20 yards. Chris uh, Mayerick, one catch, 66 yards. And then Kenny Galladay, no catches for no yards, although he was targeted three times. Sorry, as as injury-plagued as I think we all are for fantasy this year, you know, I don't think any of us are exactly reaching into the well and picking up any of these guys. Obviously, Saquon's already going to be taken, you know, and, but the rest of these, I don't think any of us are going to be reaching into the well going, shit, I need a guy. Oh, he's available. No, I definitely agree. I think everybody's going to accept the fact that the Giants are who we thought they were. And if you're a Cowboys fan, shout out to Dre Driven. you got to be ecstatic about this. So I have a game, C.D. Lamb. Uh, eight catches, 87 yards, one touchdown. Yes, Oof. made a hell of a catch too yeah, late that really yeah, iced everything. And if you haven't seen Michael Irvin on first take uh, from uh, Tuesday morning, you really should look up the video on YouTube. It's fantastic. Holy shit. We can't do it justice. But moving forward, though. Dallas has got a very interesting schedule for the remainder of the season here. Yeah, so coming up on Sunday, they're playing the Washington Commanders. Uh, Then they have the L.A. Rams, Philadelphia Eagles, Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears, bye week in week nine. Then they've got the Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, Giants, Colts, Texans, Jaguars, Eagles, Titans, and then Commanders at the end of the year. So... Interesting to see how this will all play out. I know Dak Prescott's due back. And rumor is it could be this week, which is fucking insane. I, I, 
I like listen. I'll be athletes the first, are freak people. I'll be the first one to say roll the dice. I think this is a bad mistake. I think you, Rush is playing well enough. Mm-hmm. He's managing the game. He's not going to be putting up 350 yards passing. He's managing enough that things are okay. Right. So we have to take that in perspective. Either way, this game was what we thought it was. Yeah. It really kind of showcased that Dallas has got the potential. The Giants, eh, To be determined. To be determined. We'll have to kind of see how the NFC least fares because obviously this is Philly's world and we're just living in it. Facts. So next up, we're going to my lock and leap. And let's start with, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, there's no team that really surprises everybody more than the San Francisco 49ers. This is true. And I'm going, okay, obviously Denver is a hot mess express. Yeah, they are. Let's not lie about this. This should be an easy lock for the 49ers. And then Jimmy G goes Dan Orlovsky. Shout out Dan Orlovsky. Yeah. Pad, let's break this down. Yeah, so the Denver Broncos uh, beat the San Francisco 49ers by the final score of 11-10. to 10. Uh, Russell Wilson had 20 of 33 for 184 yards, passing, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo, 18 of 29 uh, for 211 yards passing. One touchdown, one interception. I'll have to look it up, folks, but I want to know there was at least one baseball game on Sunday that scored more points than both of these teams. Yes, facts. Oh, man. This game was not pretty. Not by a long shot. And the one thing about the 49ers is they are pretty much the other side of the coin of the Indianapolis Colts. They play lights-out defense. Their offense has a few bright spots, more than Indianapolis. But not a whole hell of a lot. Looked it up. It was the Kansas City Royals playing the Seattle Mariners. Kansas City won 13-12. to Kansas City should learn how the Royals are doing it, and they might be doing a little better for the football games. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. But going to the 49ers, though, they have weapons, and they're just not really clicking right now for whatever reason. You could, you could, well, the thing of it is, is they've got weapons. Debo Samuel, five catches, 73 yards, receiving no touchdowns. Uh, rushing, he had five carries, only six yards. So he really didn't have anything go. The run game, your leading rusher was Jeff Wilson Jr., 12 carries, 75 yards, no touchdowns. So that's decent. You know, but then, you know, on the receiving side, I know George Kittle only had four catches, 28 yards, no touchdowns. This was his first game of the year. He'd been, he missed the first two games. Right. You know, but then you had also had Brandon Aluk, uh, who had three catches, 39 yards, one touchdown. Jeff Wilson Jr., three catches, 31 yards, no touchdowns. So, like, for whatever reason, whether it's a disconnect that, like, they were practicing with, with, uh, the, the starter there before he went down. Uh, I'm blank. Oh, Trey Lance. Thank you. Trey, before, if they were all, if they're not used to Jimmy G's style, okay. But like, this is a little cause for concern, seeing as uh, Trey Lance ain't coming through that door anytime this season. It's a little cause for concern, but they've played with him before. So you'd figure it'd just be like riding a bicycle. He'd be able to get back on. And it's not to say that Denver's defense is that good. It's really not. It, if, if anything, it's overrated, in my opinion. I think that people think that it's this stout monster that can shut everybody down. Not really. Say the ghost of Von Miller there? Because no. Yeah, exactly. They're not putting any fear in anybody about this. But the 49ers just couldn't get it going for whatever reason. And to Denver's credit, or should I say lack thereof, your offense really didn't do anything to write home about. Russell Wilson, 184 yards passing. Javante Williams, 58 yards running. Melvin Gordon, I mean, he got 26 and a touchdown, but still that's nothing to write home about. Right. And your leading receiver is Cortland Sutton. 
and he got what ninety seven. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing with Denver's run game, Denver's run game hasn't been good since the days of L.A. I mean, let, let's be honest. Yeah, you, since... they've, they've had some flashes in the pan. Sure. But anything consistent and dependable, you really haven't had since the days of John L.A. You know, and, and the receiving core, listen, we said the receiving core was not going to be anything special. You know, and, and in all honesty, the receiving core was honestly a downgrade from Seattle's just for the sheer fact that DK Metcalf's not there. Right. You know, sure, you got Jerry Judy, who's not bad, but he only had two catches, 17 yards. He's still coming back from injury, though, He's too. still coming back from injury. But, you know, then you've got Cortland Sutton was your leading receiver, eight catches, 97 yards, no touchdowns. But the, I'm looking at the rest of these guys going, who the hell are the rest of you? Yeah, and you'd figure with Russell Wilson there, he's that good of a quarterback he can elevate that offense. He wasn't doing that here. But the 49ers played into this, and then Jimmy G, like we said, he did the Dan Orlovsky. Ran out the back of the end zone. Ran out the back of the end zone to cause a safety in the worst possible time because I think that was such a big momentum shift. that You can tell when it is because if you look at the box score, it was the only points in the third quarter. Yeah, and I think that just they never recovered from it. And I think for Jimmy G, he's in a weird position mm-hmm. because he's now the starter by default. They couldn't move him in the offseason. He does have the most upside to move if a team needs a quarterback, a la the Patriots currently. Yeah. So if you're the 49ers, you're one and two. The season's not a wash yet. You do have some signs of life with Jimmy G because he knows the offense. But you're almost in a situation of like if you go one and three, one and four, one and five even, Mm -hmm. do you try moving him before the trade deadline? Maybe. I mean, the thing we got to remember is, if I'm not mistaken, he has a full no-trade clause. Right. So that's it's going to be tough because he gets to dictate where he goes. And the thing of it is, is with the position San Francisco is in, do you, I'd have to look up who their third-string guy is, or, well, second-string in this case because their third-string guy technically right now would be Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. You know, but do you have really have faith in who their, their second guy is? Uh, it is a gentleman by the name of Brock Purdy. So if you really want to move on from Brock, you know, from Jimmy G and go to Brock Purdy, who is a rookie out of Iowa State, you know, he was a seventh round draft pick. You know, do you really have faith in in Christ? He didn't even have any preseason stats. Uh, looking at his college stats uh, for his last year in college, that was in 2021. He had uh, 3,188 yards passing, 19 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Uh, so not bad for college considering it's it's Iowa State. You know, so I don't if that's a tricky situation San Francisco is going to find themselves in. You know, if maybe if they're so far out of it that like it's not even worth holding on to them that you try and move them, sure. But I think if you're in that hunt and there's even a small chance you can make it into the playoffs, just, you know, the ball's got to bounce your direction, I think you got to hold on to them. I think you have to as well, but it's an interesting situation because I could fully see John Lynch doing something crazy. I could see him if he thinks he can flip it. And he knows Jimmy G's not coming back. I mean, he's got till week eight to really make some choices because I believe the trade deadline is November 1st. So if he can swing something by then, it's a got it's gotta be an idea to at least contemplate. Not saying he yeah. should he should go, but I think that if you're gonna still be struggling, if you're already ruled out of the playoffs for whatever reason, like if they don't start putting this together, but I think they will. I think their defense is that solid enough that they can carry him into some games. I think they'll be fine, but if they're not you really got to take a look at the option because I know, like, taking a look at their schedule, the 49ers are not going to have any more easier of a road. No, because uh, this upcoming week uh, on Monday night, they play the L.A. Rams. Then they have the Carolina Panthers, Falcons, Chiefs, and then Rams again. They got a bye week in week nine. Then they've got the Chargers, 
Cardinals, Saints, Dolphins, Buccaneers, Seahawks, Commanders, Raiders, and then the Cardinals to close out the year. Hmm. So, like I say, that's definitely not it's any kind of a mixed bag. It's a mixed one, but if they're going to try making a run, I mean, this is the time you really got to start making some wins early because I would not trust it late to try no. making a deep run. I just no. I can't. And then for Denver, I mean, hey, you're two and one. You're two and one. Maybe you're surprising some people, but I think when you start facing that upper echelon of your division, I think that's when it's going to come back to haunt you. I'm sorry, like I'm just not impressed with Russell Wilson there. Right. I'm not like I'm. I'm not afraid to go. If I was an opposing team, I'm not afraid to go oh, in there. The one league you fantasy league you and I are in, he was my keeper just because it's Russell fucking Wilson. Well, yeah. But then I took Jalen Hurts as my backup, and I've started Jalen Hurts every week just because he's fucking money, and Russell Wilson ain't doing shit. No, he is game managing. Like that's the literal thing. Really? Yeah, he, he is he's game managing. That's and something I never thought we'd be saying about him. But yeah. here we are. And for Denver, I mean, that is going to win you some games. But in your division, and I'm sorry, you're in arguably the toughest division in all the NFL. Yeah. I, and I'm going to say you can put an asterisk because I know the Raiders' record doesn't reflect it. If you watch enough Raider games, they're still in the games late. So it's not an easy W to get past them. Just a lot of it relies on Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that later. But for Denver, though, moving forward, Ah, I, I think enjoy your wins now, but I don't think you're going to get more later. It's going to be interesting because uh, this upcoming uh, Sunday, they are playing the Raiders. That's going to be a real test for yeah. them. That's going to be a real test. I know the Raiders are currently favored, and I think the Raiders are definitely going to surprise some people for next week. I really do. Because I think now going 0-3 as they are, this is the time if you're going to make or break your season, mm-hmm. and they're too damn talented. Yeah, they are. And I think if Derek Carr works with Josh McDaniels this week, they're going to come up with a game plan that's really going to stifle them because I don't like Russell Wilson's chances against the Raiders. I really don't. But we'll have to wait to see how the game goes because, like we say, this past week was a puzzling one. And how else do you explain Aaron Rodgers going into Tampa Bay and defeating Tom Brady? I credit it to Ayahuasca. That's what I credit it to. Man, if that thing starts. shrooms. Yeah, whatever the case is, he showed up. He balled out as much as you can against the Buccaneers at home. Yeah. Pat, let's talk about it. Yeah, so the Green Bay Packers ended up winning by the final score of 14-12. to 12. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 27 of 35 for 255 yards, passing two touchdowns, one interception. Tom Brady, 31 of 42 for 271 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. And obviously Brady had a hell of a game with this because Mike Evans suspended. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones uh, injured, did not play. There was at least one other receiver, I know I'm blanking on the name, that wasn't able to start for them. Chris Godwin? Uh, Godwin. Well, he's been out, though. He's been out. You know, he didn't play. You know, they picked up Cole Beasley off the free agency free agency this week, you know, promoted him from the practice squad to the starter squad. Mm-hmm. You know, but then you look at the rest of it, it's all a bunch of, uh, who the hell are you? You know, so struggles for him. But he ended up having Green Bay eat this one out, although fucking hell, I've this is the first instance I can ever, and I don't care what, you know, uh, Mike Pereira from Fox Sports says about the whole, oh, well, when a tactic play clock technically hits zero, they have a split second while the referee looks up to the play clock and then realizes it's at zero. I don't give a good goddamn. Brady got away with that one at the end, you know, where the play clock hit zero. Like, I, I'm sitting there watching the game. Play clock, I'm watching the play clock on the broadcast, you know, on their little display. I go, oh, clock's at zero. And he still gets, I'm like, what the fuck? Clock hit zero. Mm-hmm. So he got away with one there. It, it ended up not mattering. Yeah, he absolutely did. I mean, that's one situation that y- you think, okay, 
this is going to be a quarterback battle. I don't think, honestly, either one looked that great. No. I think Aaron Rodgers looked good early. Looked okay. But in that second half, I thought he was struggling. Yeah. And I thought Tom Brady was going to pull out some Tom Brady magic. Well, yeah, because Rodgers, you know, at halftime it was 14-3. And then in the second half, uh, the Green Bay Packers got shut out. And then you only had nine points from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, and I think that obviously that uh, blocked pass late which you know Green Bay's defense is not known for. Mm-hmm. They they stepped up at the right time. I can't I cannot fault him on that. And I'm not going to say Father Time caught up to Brady there. Mm-hmm. But I thought where Brady was going with that pass to the back corner of the end zone. Yeah. There was a lot of Packers around. So I'm I was more surprised. Yeah. Well, at and, that. and you can tell not having Gronk there is really hurting them just because I know they brought up the stat, you know, during the game that like, but like during third downs last season in terms of like converting them to first downs, Tampa Bay was like number one in the league. Mm-hmm. There's something absurd like that. And then this year they're like bottom third of the league in terms of, in terms of, you know, cause their tight ends this year are like Kyle Rudolph, which hey, Kyle Rudolph's a decent, he's solid, he's but, a solid tight end, but he's not uh Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. You know, he's, so, he's not the, he's not the one of old. So ha- yeah. So ha- not having a security blanket like Gronkowski is really hurting the box just because, you know, Tom Brady left cause he didn't have all these weapons around him and they weren't giving him any help. And then he goes to Tampa Bay and he has help, but then they all get hurt. Yeah. I mean, it's just, a, they're idiots. it's a weird paradox there. Like I say, Tampa Bay is just a weird team to watch from mm-hmm. the outside. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of weird circumstances that happen. Yeah. It's yeah. It's what pad? Reasons. That's the easiest way to describe them in a nutshell. Because this team is one that is eventually going to start falling off because Tom Brady is fighting Father mm-hmm. Time. And it's starting to show a little bit. I think it showed in that. He's, fort- he's masking it a lot, but if you look, you can see it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the one thing. I mean, he's the GOAT for a reason. He's that smart. He's covering up a lot. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have that same zip on the ball. And I'm almost wondering with that pass that got deflected at the end, if this was about five years ago. Does that pass get deflected? No, because even you think some of those later years or final years in New England where he didn't have Randy Moss, he didn't have Wes Welker, he didn't have Dante Stallworth or all these other high-powered, you know, Deion Branch or Troy Brown. You know, he didn't have all these great receivers around him. He was really working with chicken shit yeah, and trying to make chicken salad, and he was making chicken salad. He made them look awesome. Mm-hmm. You look at this, Russell Gage, Cameron Brait, Brashad Perriman, uh, Jalen Darden, you know, Scotty Miller. Are any of those really household names? Maybe for some people. Maybe for some. But, but I think for the majority of folks who watch football, no. You know, I think five, ten years ago, he'd have balled the fuck out with even with it didn't matter who's on that field catching balls for him. Yeah. I think it's a case, like we've said, father time is starting to catch up to him. He doesn't have the same zip on the ball. You know, if he throws deep, it ain't as crisp as it used to be. No. You know, so it's starting to catch up. It's starting to catch up, and I think if you're Tampa Bay, I'd be a little skeptical. I'd be sure. monitoring it a little more than I have been. Sure. But I think that this was a bad loss for them in the sense that mm-hmm. you shut down Aaron Rodgers – in the second half, mm-hmm. you started making your comeback. You started picking away. The fact that you didn't come back and close when you had opportunities, it's something to keep in the back of your head. Like, okay, we need to make adjustments for next week. Well, and, and to me, the Cole Beasley signing was very telling in that 
okay, yes, Mike Evans is out because he was suspended this week. Mm-hmm. Godwin hasn't been playing. But what's the one consistency Brady always had in New England? He always had an Edelman or Wes Welker slot receiver. Exactly, and he was all if if he had, he had some deep threat guys like Randy Moss and other guys who you know could go downfield, you know. But he always had that dink and dunk slot receiver, which is something he really hasn't had, you know, to that level in in Tampa Bay. Agreed. He's had guys who can do it, but not to that level, you know. So to me, the Cole Beasley signing is they might. I think they tried to get Edelman out of retirement. And Edelman said, and this is off of no information or so. This is just me speculating. This is them thinking Brady going because Brady's the GM. Let's be real. I don't care who. The, oh, yeah. I don't care who the GM in name and, and title is for Tampa Bay. They ain't the GM. Brady is. Mm-hmm. He will. All right. Listen. Well, this ain't working. I know what's always worked for me is the slot receiver. I need to get a slot. Hey, why don't I? You know, I was able to talk Gronk out of retirement. Why don't I try and talk Jules out of retirement? And I think Jules is happy doing what he does because he's on inside the NFL on Paramount Plus with, C- mm-hmm. with CBS. He's happy doing what he does. You know, so he said, no, thanks, no, thanks, but no. So they got the poor man's version in Cole Beasley. Because well, let's face it, no disrespect to Cole Beasley. He was brought in and modeled as a, as a Julian Edelman type of receiver, but he's never been that caliber of a player. No, I mean, he's at flashes. And that's the only thing. I mean, I saw him all last year. I mean, he came up clutch yeah. when we needed him. Yeah. But he wasn't a guy that was going to take over a game like Edelman used to do for Brady in New England. I mean, that's just something that Brady has to learn to adjust with. And I think that now, obviously, he was talking retirement in the beginning of the year, did it for a quick cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Now it's starting to look like maybe we'll have to see how this plays out, but maybe there was some more smoke to that fire. It's going to be an interesting run, though. Obviously, looking at their schedule – They've got some questions that have to get answered because I think, obviously, if you take this game in perspective, bad loss, not great, not devastating, but how do you improve? Uh, Well, this upcoming Sunday, uh, on Sunday night in football, in fact, uh, they play the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Then after that, they play the Falcons. Then they've got the Steelers, uh, Panthers, uh, Ravens, Rams, Seahawks, bye week in week 11. Then they've got the Browns, Saints, Niners, Bengals, Cardinals, uh, Panthers, and then Falcons to close out the year. They do have a favorable schedule, though, after next week. Yeah. So that'll be the true test. But if Brady struggles against any of those teams, that is going to be a very big red flag that I think Buccaneer fans and Tom Brady fans have to accept it. Yeah. It now looks like this is going to be the final season, a la when it was for Peyton Manning. Right. And you saw just the drop-off. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to see about that. And for the Packers, well, they're doing Packer things. Yeah, they are. Uh, they got the New England Patriots uh, this upcoming Sunday, which uh, that one's going to be fucking ugly. Uh, mm-hmm. and then they've got the Giants, Jets, uh, Commanders, Bills, Lions, Cowboys, Titans, Eagles, Bears, bye week in week 14. Then they've got the Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, and Lions to close out the year. Should be an interesting run for Aaron Rodgers and company. I think, though, their division is getting a little tougher than I think they realized. But it nevertheless is still his division until otherwise. This is true. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. So, Pad, that said, shall we take a quick lap around the league? Yeah, so looking at some of the other games that took place uh, on the Thursday night game, you had the Cleveland Browns beat the the, the Pittsburgh Steelers by a final score of 29-17. to yeah, surprisingly, the Browns are winning ugly, and Pittsburgh is struggling with Mitch Trubisky. So they have a game of Mari Cooper, seven catches, 101 yards, one touchdown. 
thank God I started him. Well, that's why we always talk about division games. And obviously, uh, thoughts and uh, positive energy for Miles Garrett right yes, now. Yes, yes. Uh, sounds like from reports uh, we've seen today, he is getting released from the hospital. So it sounds like he's okay. But Jesus, that's scary. Yeah, he flipped his car a couple times, dodging an animal in the road. So definitely uh, hoping he has a speedy and healthy recovery. We see him yeah. back on the field soon. Yeah, I've got to mention the Patriots and Ravens, although do we have to? Uh, Ravens won by a final score of 37-26. to 26. Uh, obviously, the big concern is Mac Jones. He has the high angle sprain. It is sounding bad. They are talking surgery, and they are talking multiple weeks. Yeah. So that's going to be fucking ugly. Uh, who the hell they're going to bring in? I have no goddamn idea. I know the New England Sports Network posted a list of potential people they could bring in. I liked absolutely none of them. It was everyone from A.J. McCarron to Mike Glennon to fucking Cam Newton. Hell no, we're not doing that shit again. Uh, so we'll see where they go with that. But I think I think the big takeaway you got to have from this game is the absolute monster of a season Lamar Jackson is having. Mm. Uh, much in the same way Aaron Judge decided to bet on himself, Lamar Jackson is doing the same thing. And my God, it is paying out dividends. Yeah, he's looking fantastic. Like I said, this was my feeling in the beginning of the season when we talked on the preseason show. Yeah. He was going to bet on himself, and he was going to make sure that he put himself in the prime position for a new contract, whether it's with the Ravens or elsewhere. He is going to be the most sought-after free agent on the offseason. So through three games, uh, in terms of passing, he has 749 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. Rushing, he has 243 yards rushing, two touchdowns. So through three games, he has 12 total touchdowns. Insane. It's it's fucking bonkers. It's it's MVP numbers. He lives that life right now. He is yes, he right now. He's the clear cut MVP. You can't say otherwise. Uh, you had the Chicago Bears beat the Houston Texans twenty three to twenty, which hey, somebody had to win that game. Exactly. That's by default, but hey, good good for Chicago. Yeah. Uh, you had the Tennessee Titans beat the Las Vegas Raiders by the final score of twenty four to twenty two. Easiest way to describe this: the Raiders' faults are Derek Carr. He is not playing consistent with the weapons he has. That defense could have played a little stronger, but when you're making Ryan Tannehill look like Ryan Tannehill of college days, because, I mean, obviously the Miami run, not the greatest of the world, you really are doing a disservice. And I thought the Raiders, albeit though they hung in this game, but Carr is really the focal point of this. And if he's not clicking, if he's not producing like he should with the weapons he has, they're going to struggle. And this is why they're 0-3. Yeah. There's no reason they should be otherwise, but this is solely on Derek Carr. He needs to sit down with Josh McDaniels and fix this. Well, and you got to figure shit ain't going to be the same uh, next week because there was the reports of before McDaniels showed up for his post-game press conference, he had an extended conversation with the uh, Raiders owner. Well, I'm sure because the Raiders' culture is you're in a position to win, and Al Davis, rest his soul, said just Just win, win, baby. baby. So, you know what? He knows what's to be expected, and the pressure is on right now. I think they are going to bounce back this weekend big. Mm-hmm. I will say that right now. Uh, you had the Miami Dolphins win by the final score of 21-19 to over the Buffalo Bills. Okay. I'm not ducking anybody about this. I didn't duck Ryan Parrott, who has a great issue out now with my Morphin Power Rangers. 100 hitting the shelves this week, so definitely we'll be talking about that in the ODPH this week. He's a big Dolphins fan. I even said out there, I said, listen, the outcome is going to play a factor on me this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, the easiest way to describe this is, one, the Bills weren't ready. Okay. Conditioning was a huge factor. See, I've heard this. I've heard that, like, there was a lot of cramping with the Bills on the sidelines. Multiple times. Oh, interesting. And it's like, and I don't, and okay, I'm not using this as an excuse. I'm just sure. saying these are all factors. If they factor in, yeah. Because of how Miami's stadium is set up. Right. In the daytime, 
it was like the shaded part was on the Miami side, the uh, heat side was on theirs. But I'm going to blame the Bills on this. You should be ready for that. Like, you play them twice a year, and one of them in Miami every year. Exactly. It's always hot in Miami. And what I didn't understand is, to my knowledge, the Bills did not get down there until, like, normal time. Really? So they didn't go early, huh. to my knowledge. Interesting. So what I'm saying with this is, like, where Belichick would have gone down the week prior. Right. Get your team used to this. Right. They clearly weren't ready to go. Yeah, because it's a slight difference, you know, because for those of you who don't know, the Bills playing upstate New York, where currently it is, I'm looking at my phone, currently or my watch, it is currently 56 degrees outside where we record. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in terms of Miami, where it's probably like in the high 80s, low 90s right now. There's 100 on the field. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so there's a 50 degree temperature difference. Yeah, that's going to affect you. It, it, it completely did. It completely affected everything from Josh Allen, who was stumbled. There was two times that he bobbled the ball. Sure. And there were crucial times. The one, he was leading the Bills down the field to end the second half, and they could have been in a field goal position to kick. Tyler Bass, he missed a crucial kick that was a 30-yard chip shot. There's a reason you don't look when he's kicking. Uh-huh. Oh, if anybody watches the Bills with me, I do not watch when Tyler Bass kicks. I And everybody's like, why? He's a great kick. No, 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 no. He... He has been known to miss some easy he's, shots. He's suspect. Yeah, he's suspect in my opinion. So, okay, that was a big factor, the conditioning, because the Bills kept cramping up. Their defense and secondary especially took was a, took a major hit. Depleted. Yeah, they lost, uh, who the hell Micah was Micah Hyde. Like Micah Hyde for the year. Yep, and Justin Poirier was not playing. Right. So right there is your safety blanket for a lot. And then you had Jalen Waddle ball out for four catches, 102 yards, and no touchdowns. And one of which was a crucial third and 22. Holy shit. That he got down the field, and I'm sitting there with Rich from 3FN and some other people at the bar we're at, and I go, they need to make a stop here. And sure enough, Tua sat back and just picked them apart. Like, this was so textbook. Mm -hmm. It, It was sickening. And I'm not saying that the Bills secondary team here didn't show up. They did play, but obviously there, there's a, there's a difference in level of play from the starters to the secondary. Exactly. So Tua, to his credit, picked him apart, got his team going in that second half, but Josh Allen did not have a great game. I know they passed for 400 yards, but the crucial points were he bobbled the ball twice and the most crucial throw he missed, and I, and after seeing him play for so long now, I don't understand this, Pat. He had Gabe Davis in the corner, fourth down, uh-huh. under you know, the, right around the two-minute warning, and you're on, I'm going to say, the three-yard line. Sure. You know how strong his arm is. Very. How the hell do you underthrow and it bounces at his feet? Uh, well, I think part of the reason is he threw the ball and attempted 60 three times if he tr- listen buffalo hi uh not a huge fan of you but i will offer you this free advice develop a run game because i'm looking at the bill's schedule on espn.com which one of the things it does is it gives you the high passer high rusher and high receiver for the team for all of their games mm-hmm. out of the three games they played again we're playing this game for what the third year now Three first three games, they have not had a rusher crack 100 yards. Mm-hmm. They have Their highest rusher was Josh Allen himself in week one with 56 yards. 
out of the three weeks, Josh Allen was the leading rusher for two of those. The one week it wasn't was Cook, who had 53 yards against the Tennessee Titans. Mm -hmm. You need to develop a run game because if you expect Josh Allen to throw 50, 60 times every week, his arm is going to fucking fall off by the time the playoffs come. Well, the one thing is he looked dehydrated, and he started cramping his hand. Like, I wasn't sure at one point he had fingers broken, to be honest. He underthrew that ball. The Bills, though, to their credit, their secondary D, made a very, very crucial stop. And, in fact, I'm going to say this. Miami is lucky to have won this because their head coach did some of the most absurd yeah. timeouts and challenges I think I've ever seen. Yeah, well, he is, he is new. He's new, but, my God, if you're in your own in zone pad, yeah. Okay, you run twice, you get stopped, he tries passing inside your end zone. That's how, no. he, and especially under two minutes where no. you're trying to run the clock off. No. This is what he did. So that's why it set up the butt punt. Was he asking, is he asking Madden what to run? Because that sounds like some Ask Madden shit. Exactly. So the fact that the Bills get gifted the butt punt. <laughs> Which I got to love. say I love Mark Sanchez's reaction to the butt punt. Said, hey, stay out of my lane, bro. Exactly. So they get a safety late. And then they drive down the field. And now, granted, their offense is stuttered. Josh Allen is doing all he can, but with like 18 seconds left, the pocket collapses on him, and he just throws it to the dead center of the field, and that's where Isaiah McKenzie catches the ball. Mm. I understand people are screaming at McKenzie about how he had to get out of bounds. Sure. What he should have done, but this was pure panic, and I'm not faulting him. I'm like, listen. If I'm in that situation, I do the same damn thing. So I'm playing armchair quarterback. What he should have done is gone immediately down. Mm -hmm. Then get the ball, line your team up, then you spike it. This is the same issue they had with Kansas City last year, though. Uh Uh-huh. It's a recurring issue with this team that come crunch time, they panic, their brain stops, whatever you want to say, and they just don't know what to do. Exactly. This is exact, that sums everything up, late-minute quarters, because that's what they should have done. If you know that you have to just get a first down and get in position, don't even try running out of bounds. Go right down, and then, obviously, get everybody to the line as quick as you can, and then you could have spiked it. Didn't happen. Yeah. Tua, though, he played solid. I got to say, though, very suspect about the whole concussion protocol. Yeah, well, and they are getting investigated about that, so we'll see what happens about that. As it should, because he looked like he got rocked. He took a very bad hit to his head. I will say this. Yeah. He got up and then then stutter step collapsed and then got back up. So yeah. in that situation, you could say his back locked up. I hope it did for that reason, because I'll be the first one to tell you. I didn't want to face Teddy Bridgewater because I don't want <laughs> – not, not for the reason it's Teddy Bridgewater. I didn't want everybody saying, okay, the Bills won because Tua wasn't in. Yeah. Like, we got beat by a better team that day. I'm going to – I'll be honest. I hate saying this. We got beat by a better team. They came out, and they did not quit. Waddle was the key factor, which I thought he was going to be because they loaded up on Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. They shut him down as much as you were going to shut him down. Two catches, 33 yards. That's shut down. Exactly. So Waddle was going to be the key factor. They didn't pick up on him. Chase Edmonds, he had a day. Like, listen, 21 yards and two touchdowns, but he, he knocked it in when he needed to. So for Miami, congratulations to our good friend Ryan Parrott. Congratulations. I will own up to it. I will see you all on December 18th. <laughs> and I hope it fucking snows like nobody's business. I'm just saying. No, I, but in, in all honesty, I'm not flipping out like this like Kent Dorsey did. 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And then, then uh, covering up the camera on the same day, the NFL sent a memo to all 32 NFL teams. Hey, don't destroy the equipment. Yeah. And well, he, and he was slamming the tablet. You know what? I understand it was passionate. In, oh, I did. About oh, that. I, I did too. But I just thought it, I just thought it was funny that on the same day, because Brady threw the tablet. Yeah. I, I think he allegedly broke at least two last week, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But like on the same day, the NFL sent a memo to all 32 teams like, hey, don't destroy the equipment, the tablets. He started slamming it, and then somebody, whether it was him or somebody else, covered up the camera. Yeah, no, somebody else covered it up because they saw what was going on. And I understand he was pissed. I understand he was. Oh, I did too. Like, you know what? I don't blame him. But at the same time, I'm like, it, I, I didn't do that. I just threw my head down. I was like, Jesus Christ, like, we found a way to fucking lose this. See, now I'm going to get amped up about this. I've already dropped two F-bombs. But it is what it is. But for the Bills, I think they'll be fine. Next week, they got Baltimore at Baltimore. That does scare me. But it's a winnable game. It's going to be a heavyweight bout. For the Dolphins, um, we'll wait and see. I'm not ready to crown them. I know they got Cincinnati Thursday night. That'll be a true test. They got Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's breaking out the all-whites. I tell you, uh, the jerseys look dope. Those jerseys are fresh. I love those jerseys, so we'll have to wait to see what happens. Uh, You had the Minnesota Vikings beat the Detroit Lions by the final score of 28-24. If Detroit could ever close a game, they'd be fucking amazing. See, now I'm all wound up and dropping bombs. Sorry, everybody. Uh, you had the Cincinnati Bengals beat the New York Jets 27-12. All's right in the world. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Washington Commanders by a final score of 24-8. to Devontae Smith, have a game. Devontae Smith, have a game. Fucking hell. I'm doing real well. Also, A.J. Brown, uh, five catches, 85 yards. Uh, Devontae Smith, eight catches, 169 yards. I have A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts on the same fantasy team. I am doing very well for myself. Thank Let, you. Life is good. Life is good. Uh, the... Carolina Panthers beat the New Orleans Saints 22-14. to Saints are a joke. Yeah, they are. They're real bad. They're real bad. They're real Didn't bad. Didn't think they were going to be this bad. They are bad. Yeah, they are. Uh, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the L.A. Chargers 38-10. to Funniest meme I've ever seen is they have a picture of uh, – or the, the meme goes, Trevor Lawrence without Urban Meyer, and it's a picture of Peyton Manning. Oh, Jesus Christ. I think it was NFL memes that made that. That sums oh, wow. this. Up. That sums this up right now. I know Justin Herbert was hurt. Uh, he did play. Well, yeah, because he. Well, they were talking about getting like a shot of something in his uh, rib cartilage or something before the game. Yeah, some varsity blues type stuff. Yeah. Uh, listen, Jacksonville played solid. I and the Chargers, once again, on paper, should have dominated this game. Yep. But they are the Chargers. And I will tell anybody, if you're in a survivor pool, if you're in a pick stay the hell away from this team. Yeah, really. Listen, I don't care. If you think it's an easy game, they're going to find a way to lose. If you think that they're going to get blown out, they're going to dominate that game. Yes. They're the most unpredictable team in all the NFL. Mm-hmm. So we'll rock and roll from there. Also, hey, shout out to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars head coach who passed Urban Meyer for fifth all-time in the Jaguars' win coach uh, coaches' wins. That's an odd thing. Uh huh. That's so odd. Funny though. It's funny, but you know, here we are. Uh, you had the L.A. Rams beat the Car- Cardinals twenty to twelve. Cardinals are overrated. That's that. Yeah. Like, listen, one and two, they're not the team we thought they were. Yeah, and of course, I have the week I dropped Cam Akers. He finally decides to fucking play. Well, that's my luck. Yeah. Uh, you had the Atlanta Falcons beat the Seahawks twenty-seven to twenty-three. Who's Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta won. Yeah, they did. Jeez. Uh, you and then uh, the last three games that were uh, we already mentioned was the uh, Packers beating the Bucks, Niners beating the Broncos, and then the Cowboys beating the Giants. It's a wild week in the NFL. There is a lot of upsets. There's a lot of craziness going on. 
That said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from week three of the NFL? Is Buffalo's season done? Is Miami really that great? How about them, Cowboys? How about those Giants? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Dawn. And I'm Cole. And Scottish Murders is a true crime podcast dedicated to people from or living in Scotland. Just like anywhere else in the world, these murders can be truly horrific and shocking. And we want to shine more light upon them. Join us every two weeks on Scottish Murders, where we'll bring you cases both solved and unsolved, giving you an insight into the other side of Bonnie Scotland. Find us wherever you stream your podcasts, as well as on social media. Join us there. Bye! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk a little pro wrestling. Hell yeah. And there's a lot of buzz going around the WWE. Yeah, there is. So, Pat, are you following the White Rabbit? I'm trying to, but there's layers to this shit that you wouldn't even believe. Let's talk about it. So, a couple of weeks ago, I think maybe, what, two weeks ago now? Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, in-house, wasn't ever aired on television, uh, but during a commercial break, uh, the lights went out and fans started to use their the lights on their cell phones, seeing them light the place up. Uh, and then they and then the the house, you know, production started to play a song called White Rabbit by Jefferson uh, Airplane by Jefferson Airplane, which everyone thought was a little weird. You know, my, oh, everyone's kind of trying to, oh, maybe it's a sound check. OK, but why would it be a sound check for that song? Yeah. You know, because there's a little bit of history uh, with that song. Uh, it's tied to some wrestlers and it's this whole other thing. Like, honestly, if we deep dive into this whole thing, it's going to take like nine hours. Yeah. Uh, so they play the song goes viral on the, on the internet just because, Hey, rumors of Bray Wyatt return have been circulating and floating around, but whether it's going to be a W, uh, WWE, it's been floating around. Mm-hmm. So then we get to Monday, I believe. And I, and I could be forgetting some of the facts, but Hey, like I said, there's multi layers and there's a lot of shit going on with this and, yeah. and it's hard to keep track of. So then we get to Monday uh, last week and behind, what was it? Austin theory. I think it was Mm -hmm. behind Austin theory. There was a QR code. And you, if you scan the QR code with your phone, it took you to a website with this whole game, you know, and it was a a series of ongoing, you know, games and puzzles and stuff, you know, a little bit of viral marketing, you could say. You know, and and all the meanwhile, during house shows, you know, so uh, shows that aren't televised, they were doing the same thing. They were, you know, the lights are going out, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane is playing. And at first it was kind of just like, oh, this is kind of weird. But the more and more time went on, the more confusing I would say it got. Yeah, it's been something that it's keeping wrestling fans on edge. Yeah. And it's smart because if you're talking about Bray White, and if anybody's not familiar with Bray, he is one of the most creative minds in all pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. He has came in with a uh, Cape Fear gimmick, where he was almost like a you know a, a, a cult leader in his own right, and doing a lot of stuff that was he had a Wyatt family around him and yeah. you know followed the buzzards and very ingenious of how he did this. And then he reinvented himself with this demonic personality known as the fiend. Uh-huh. And it was doing a day and night difference and like it was really it, it creative is doing it in an understatement because it's just it's fascinating to see him pull this off. And then during the time of WWE layoffs, Bray was released from his contract. Right. Now there's been, you know, various rumors of why and such, but 
all we are going to ever speculate or say is he was released. Yeah. So he has been relatively off the scene for quite a while. Yep. Let's fast forward a few months back. Vince McMahon leaves the company. Triple H swoops in. And Triple H is reestablishing a lot of his favorite wrestlers on the roster. Mm-hmm. He's connecting a lot of his NXT ID or NXT ideas, um, yeah, to the main show. Yep, like the he has just all, so much creativity. So, some going of the on. some of the stuff you thought or some of the stuff you knew, and and some of the themes and I guess ideas that you were familiar with at NXT if you watched NXT during the Black and Gold brand, you know, are kind of floating over to the main roster now. Mm-hmm. And he has always been a very big Bray guy. So now with this white rabbit getting played at mm-hmm. house shows, the feed yep. your head. Yep. You've heard the song a million times probably and just didn't even realize who it was. Yep. Now it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And for the WWE, this is smart marketing top to bottom. You're now having fans have a lot of crazy speculation. And if, if you know anything, obviously – there has been a history, like Pat alluded to, we're not going to get into the deep dive of it, of the White Rabbit, so to speak, with Lucha Underground right, and, and, right. and characters there, and then people thought it was a metaphor for this, an explanation of that. Well, and the thing with with the internet wrestling community, for all of its faults, you give it a fucking breadcrumb trail, it will follow it to the nth degree. Because mm-hmm. before Bray Wyatt debuted as The Fiend, I remember there was a moment on a Monday, or, or yeah, there was a Monday night, where he posted on his Twitter, you know, about this whole, oh, if you want to hint as to what's coming next, you know, I gave a series of promos between this month and that month, you know, and it was like 2015, 2016, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. you know, in in those promos, there was a word I said during those promos that was out of place with the rest of what I was saying. If you connect those words together, you'll find out what's coming next. So for the next, like, day day and a half, whatever the hell it was, you had the fans on the internet wrestling community digging through every single solitary promo he gave. Cause at that time it wasn't split brand. It was, you know, both shows. So they were digging through SmackDown raw main event, like everything he was on to try and find this. So you give the internet wrestling fans a breadcrumb trail. They will follow it to the end, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the thing that's been going on with this because you had the one game, you know, which once you solved, it said nine twenty three which, you know, happened to be one of the nights that SmackDown fell on. So and then 9.23, you know, the time fell into it as well. So everyone's like, oh, something's going to happen on 9.23 on 9.23. So then you get to SmackDown, nothing really happened at 9.23. I think they were in a commercial break, if memory serves. You know, but there was another game, another puzzle, whatever, that led to this coming Monday. Mm-hmm. So during the show, in the middle of, middle of the show, almost like somebody was ha- hacking the feed, yeah. you had a QR code flash very quickly. Uh, and, and I tried scanning it, you know, while it, I rewound it, you know, on my Hulu Live, you know, but it wasn't able to catch. So I, you had to rewind it. But if you caught it, it took you to a website, uh, you know, on WWE.com and uh, to a video that played, which while the website is taken down, folks have uh, captured the video. And I'm going to play the video for you right now. So you can if you haven't heard it at home. Mm hmm. So it's a series of wrestlers you see there, you know, like The Rock was in there. Uh, one of the New Age Outlaws was in there. Cody Rhodes was in there. Stone Cold was in there, you know. But in the video, uh, and then you, 
in the description of the video was a uh, set of numbers, longitude and latitude. Right. Which you could pl- plug in those latitude and longitudes into any map you wanted, you know, Google, Google Maps, Apple Maps, you know, whatever the hell you wanted to. And it took you to this place, you know, northern Italy, south of France, like right close to the border, uh, you know, and it, and it shows you this weird ass giant pink rabbit sitting there. Mm-hmm. Weird as all hell. Not quite, you know, but the whole thing was like a pink bunny is, you know, the outline of the pink bunny is what it's called. Yeah. So, again, white rabbit bunny. The other thing that flashed was a zip code. And the zip code was for some place, I think it was in Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, where you look up this, you look up the zip code. It was, or no, it was Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It was this place in Kentucky, which people were, people were digging into whether WWE's ever played a televised show there. Yeah. You know, which, from what people could find, they never had a televised show there, although they had gone there for house shows. Mm-hmm. But the thing of note with that town in Kentucky was there was a record store, the White Rabbit Record Store. You know, so there was, oh, there's another White Rabbit connection. And there was a YouTube channel which had one video on it, you know, which was all sorts of weird and tied into pro wrestling. I mean, people were digging into, showing Ken, people were digging into the source code on the video that was posted on WWE.com. Yeah. You know, and the other thing with uh, the video last night was the URL uh, for the video on WWE.com started with 930YWG. Of course, 930 is this upcoming Friday. YWG is the three-letter, I guess you could say, uh, naming code, whatever you want to say, for the airport in Winnipeg, Hmm. which is where SmackDown is this Friday, which I got to say, they play the QR code. And then they advertised SmackDown this coming Friday, which, correct me if I'm wrong, hashtag ODPHPod, I don't remember them ever advertising where it was emanating from in the advertisements. But when they advertised, it said, oh, live from Winnipeg, Canada, this or Winnipeg, Canada, this upcoming Friday. It doesn't ring a bell with me. Like, I don't ever remember saying, oh, yeah, you know, oh, Raw next week is going to be live from, you know, the Staples Center in Los Angeles. A lot live from the, you know... They they typically only do that if it's going to a major market like New York, like MSG or or Chicago or L.A. So, yeah, for being out there, it it doesn't click a bell. Like, I think they just say they're making a tour of Canada. Sure. Because a lot of times they just kind of sum it up for that when they when they make tours. It's like when they go overseas, they just kind of say we're going to the different countries and such. Sure. But it's still a fascinating thing to see that they are working everybody on the Internet and really getting a buzz going on with this because now – Fans are just trying to be super sleuths. Oh, yeah, because the fact you got people digging in the source code, which is wild, and people are thinking it might have something to do with Malachi Black, Alistair Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the source code, the two opening lines of Alistair Black's old WWE th- theme song are in it. Uh, because it says, uh, you know, console.log, and then in parentheses, no man is ever truly good. Close parentheses, and then a semicolon. Underneath it, it says, console.log, and then in parentheses, no man is ever truly evil. Close parentheses. So whether you you can throw something in in the code and it really not affect the website at all. Sure. You you can do that. You know, but whether it has anything to do with Alistair Black, Malachi Black, to be determined. Who knows? You know, he's got that whole thing going on. Throwing dirt sheets up. But hey, is what it is. You know, and and people were speculating. I know with getting back to the White Rabbit thing that, you know, oh, maybe it's maybe it's Edge. Well, that got shot in the ass pretty quickly by the end of Monday Night Raw with Edge returning. You know, mm-hmm. so all signs are pointing to it's Bray Wyatt, you know, which 
uh, you know, given everything that's going on, you know, on point and kind of tracks with Bray Wyatt, I will say I dig this just because Vince would do these teases and Vince would do these kind of like hints that something's coming. But it was always treating us like we're kind of fucking idiots and we're not. The fact that it, listen, I love viral marketing. Some of the most, the best viral marketing I ever saw was for the first Cloverfield film. Mm -hmm. Where, because back in the day, this was when MySpace was still a thing. You had MySpace pages created for each of the main actors. which And they even went as far as like they were posting on each other's pages and sending pictures and the whole nine. But after the movie came out, if you remember the movie, couple one of the characters gets basically cut in half. Uh, the, MySpace, if you remember, you could list your height and your weight and your ethnicity and all this other stuff. Uh, one, the, the character who got cut in half, their height on their, uh, MySpace page got cut in half, mm. you know? So I love viral marketing and the fact that they're doing this to tease, listen, at first it could have just been as simple. Oh, we're doing a sound check on a, on a house show, but the more it's gone on, there's no way it's, it's just sound checks and random shit. I love it. It's so much fun. It's a different element, and I think this is another thing Triple H is bringing that Vince would never do. Triple H is very in tune with the wrestling community. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, I mean, let's face it, we live in a digital age these days. This is true. So the fact that they're going heavy with this, with the digital marketing, I think is a very brilliant move. I think that they're definitely trying to do something different. And with Bray, that's always something that he's known for. Yeah. He doesn't do things conventional. And I think for anybody that's really trying to go into a different direction with it, like the Lucha Underground tie-ins, which is sure. if you if you ever watch Lucha Underground, you understand the White Rabbit, Rabbit deal there. You understand that with Bray, this is a great way to reintroduce him. He's going to come back as something different. For anybody that thinks he's coming back as just a fiend, no, he's not. No, guarantee he's it's, not. It's going to be something different, right? And to see how this all plays out, this is just another feather in the cap for WWE right now, who's on a hot streak. Like, we haven't seen them in quite some time. Mm -hmm. And this is good for all pro wrestling because the thing about this now is you're starting to slowly see this break back into pop culture. The ratings are up, which is the only thing that is matters to anybody really outside advertisers. Right. That's the temp in the room. Well, and, and clearly fans are tuning in for this and excited for this because while I haven't seen the ratings for Monday Night Raw, what they were last night, I did see the ratings for Friday Night SmackDown were like 2.5 million. Yeah. Which was up from like 2.3 the week prior. So fans are clearly like, what the hell? You know, fans were clearly anticipating something going on with SmackDown at 923 on 923. You know, but fans are tuning in, man. And that's the big thing, too, that when they are tuning in, that means people are talking about the product. Eyes are on the product. And especially now with Monday Night Raw going up against Monday Night Football. Like, let's face it, ratings are going to be a little lower than expected. Everybody involved knows this. This is not DEFCON 5. But... When you start having the pop culture audience tune back in, that means more people are getting in, more people are going to go to shows, more people are going to buy merch, more people are going to get invested, whether it's time or money. And that's a win for the wrestling business. Mm -hmm. To keep fans guessing, to go very heavy with this, whether you're going strictly on Instagram or TikTok or social media, the fact they're working everybody like this is nothing short of fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it will be a big payoff when it happens. I know we've kind of speculated amongst the whole 607 Podcast fam of when this is all going to play out. I think it's going to be Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules would make the most sense. Yeah, I know shout out to JVD who mentioned this, that there's a lantern that's synonymous with Bray Wyatt yeah. in the top left of the poster for Extreme Rules. We talked about this on the latest 607 TWS, which is out right now. So Rich from 3FN gave you his picks for this. 
Uh, he wants to see this stretch out even longer. And I think that he's right in the direction for this because if you have this much investment from fans mm-hmm. and if you're not aware of this, like let's say you're very new to the whole pro wrestling talk. Sure. Go on social media, especially Twitter. Yeah. During Friday nights between 8 and 10. Yep. Or Monday nights between 8 and 11. Yep. And when you start seeing a spike in the WWE hashtag, mm-hmm. you know something happened. Yep. And then watch how many people tune in. Like, you don't have to really pay attention to what they're saying, but watch what they're posting to just see how many times you see White Rabbit thrown in the mix, Bray Wyatt thrown in the mix. That proves that this is starting to work, and this is such a feather in the cap. This is going to be a big payoff for the WWE whenever they want to do this. And if they get Bray Wyatt back in, he's arguably the only big-name free agent that's out there right now. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, and obviously I'll get hit up on the hashtag with it. But if WWE does bring back Bray, Pad, I guess we'll kind of close with this. They've loaded up the deck now. Johnny Gargano is back. Yep. Candice LeRae came back last night on, yeah. on Monday Night Raw, which if you haven't seen her, she is absolutely fantastic. And the mm-hmm. fact that they might have her in a wall games. If you've never seen her match when she was tagging with Joey Ryan versus the Young Bucks right. in PWG, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Go YouTube it. It's fantastic. Go find this match wherever you can, the Guerrilla Warfare match. One of my favorite matches I've ever seen in wrestling, bar none. She, she is going to add something to that women's division, which is getting more loaded by the day, and that's a fantastic thing to see. WWE is definitely clicking all cylinders. But, Pad, with Bray coming back in, yeah, where do you see the direction of the company now going into WrestleMania season? Higher and higher, up and up, just because the the – the, de- the deck is getting stacked, I guess you could say. They're getting loaded up. There's a lot of great talent, and it's going to be, and it's and it's going to be a good, you know, motivational tool for the other guys and girls on the roster, you know, that are already there that want a spot on that WrestleMania, you know, night one, night two. That the the competition is only going to get pushed higher. The level of excellence, you know, for what you see in ring is only going to get pushed higher. That's only going to cause the other folks, you know, that might be on the fringe, on the doorstep of like being in or on or off the show, to have to step their game up. Yeah. Because there's going to be no room for error. That like you have to have. I'm not saying you have to go out and have like a nine star match, you know, whatever. But like you have to go out and have the one of the, some of the best matches of your career. I agree. I think that this is now a true needle mover. I think that this is going to be something that with Bray back in the mix. WWE has added a bona fide main event player back to the roster. Mm-hmm. And this is going to cause an AEW to really have to step their game up. And not saying that AEW hasn't, but I know that they've been a company that's been, I want to say, more polarized uh, as of late. Sure. And I think that they're going to be having to really start focusing on their matches. Yeah and really get the attention off what happened at All Out and really back into the land of pro wrestling. And I think they can do it. But I think with Bray back with WWE, that's a huge move. Mm -hmm. And I think for AEW and I think for all pro wrestling, getting a person of his caliber back in the business is huge. Oh, yeah. And this is only going to benefit everybody because it's going to make – all the other companies step their game up in some capacity. Well, and the benefit, I think, for WWE also is that, like, you know, flashback, you know, a year, year and a half ago when Roman was in the midst of his run, one of the things I, I know a lot of people said is, well, what the hell are they going to do once he loses and presumably takes some time off? There's going to be a big hole to fill. 
all of a sudden that hole's looking a lot smaller with some of the folks they've added over the course of the last year or more. Agreed. With Gargano and Cody and and Braun coming back. Listen, Braun is what he is. You love him, you hate him. He's a pl- like Richard said, he's a plug and play guy. You, you can plug him in for a world title run. You can plug him in for an icy title run. You know, he's a good Bray. Just everything that Dexter Lewis. Holy fuck! You know, everything they've been doing with Dexter Lewis has been incredible. All of a sudden, that that big void they've got for when Roman takes some time off once he drops the belt is all of a sudden looking a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic thing to be a part of wrestling right now, especially WWE. It's now making the resurgence back to prominence because for a while it's, it hasn't been this good. And that's why we kind of keep bringing it up because every time that we think, okay, they've hit a plateau, whether it's been Sami Zayn and his storyline with the bloodline, which is, which is some of the most fantastic work. Shout out Rikishi. Rikishi finally acknowledged him. Yo, that's amazing. He did. Everything going on with that storyline, how they're rebuilding their mid-card titles, how they're rebuilding their tag team titles, and now you're bringing back familiar faces to establish to the audience that has been come that has been disconnected. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much win to be had right now. There's no way you can avoid it if you're a pro wrestling fan. If you turned off a while, this might be a time to jump back in. It might be a real good time, especially last night's Raw. So like. So good and so many good storylines going on. Also, uh, thoughts and prayers out to Chad Gable because you're going to die next week. Yeah, that's going to be a, a very, very tough match with Braun. Because <laughs> even Chad Gable, I think, shit his pants a little bit. Yeah, but that just goes to show, I mean, how they're stacking the deck right now with Monday Night Raw. And especially if Raw's doing well, SmackDown is fine. And then NXT is getting a lot better. And this is going to cause Dynamite and Rampage to step their games up. It's a win-win for everybody, but the fans win overall. So that being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your take about the White Rabbit in WWE? Who do you think it is? How do you think the marketing is going? And how do you think this is going to affect everybody moving forward? Let's have this discussion, shall we? And for more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out the latest 607 TWS, which is on your favorite podcast player. And even more content, simply swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com and check out the latest blogs count anywhere under the Parlay Points section. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey all, I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got? Got to talk a little bit of baseball because we are re- coming down the home stretch, I guess you could say. We've rounded third base. Uh, home plate is right in our field of view uh, on the Major League Baseball season. Uh, looking at the standings, uh, your division leaders in the American League are the Houston Asterisks, the New York Yankees, and the Cleveland Indians, or excuse me, the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, always slip, uh, Freudian slip there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the wildcard race, the top three teams make it in. You've got the Toronto Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay uh, Rays, and then the Seattle Mariners. Uh, the Yankees have yet to win the division. Uh, they have clinched the playoff spot, though. They need to just win a game. They're playing Toronto for like three, four games, whatever it is. Win a, win a game, and they they win the division. Uh, Judge currently sitting on uh, 60 home runs, still waiting on that magical 61. It'll come, I'm sure. Uh, there was a chance, a small chance, for him catching Bonds' record, but that's all out the window. So all there is now is to just uh, – 
tie the American League record with Roger Maris and 61 home runs, which I'm sure will come at a certain point here before the season is over. Uh, and then looking at the National League, the do- uh, division leaders are the L.A. Dodgers, the New York Mets, although that's real fucking close. Yeah. Uh, and then the St. Louis Cardinals. And then the uh, wildcard teams are the Atlanta Braves, San Diego Padres, and the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, and I saw a bra- I know I saw a bracket the other day with like the Yankees because we're Yankees fans here. Uh, the Yankees would have a first round bye and a home field advantage in the American League Division Series, and they would play either the Seattle uh, Mariners or the Cleveland Indians, I believe, or Cleveland Cleveland Guardians. Excuse me. So which, if if I'm correct in that, and I could be wrong, I like that matchup a lot better because on the other side we'd have to play either the the winner of the Toronto Tampa Bay series and then. You know, I don't want that. No, no. Yeah, no. Leave, leave that for as long as possible. Exactly. I want to have the easiest road to the playoffs as humanly possible. It's a shame Minnesota's not in the playoffs because we love playing Minnesota. I know in the that's that's the one thing this year is like we don't have our usual favorites, but I'm just hoping our team goes in injury free. Yes, like that's the one thing that I am fearful of that I don't want to deal with that we have this sure you know crazy deal going down. And you see, like, Judge, who's trying to kill the ball to get the home run record, like, pulls in a bleak or something. Sure. Like that, well, you well know? that's the thing. Guys who are, hurt are coming back shortly. Uh, you know, I know DJ LeMahieu is going to be coming back here some point before the end of the season. Uh, there is talk of Matt Carpenter coming back. So it sounds like we should be about 100% for health-wise uh, going into the postseason. Although that's just going to make the postseason roster all that more tough for Aaron Boone to figure out. Yes, indeed. And we have to talk a little lacrosse. I know Coach Duffy is not here. But it was announced that the Professional Box Lacrosse Association, who now has a team coming to our 607 area, mm-hmm. has the official name and logo out for the Binghamton Bombers. Ooh, that logo is very, very nice. Yes, showing that logo off the pad right now. So obviously, we will be talking a little bit more about this team when they get the ball rolling, so to speak. And I keep getting text messages from your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy about some workout footage because he has a tryout with them. Mm-hmm. He's going to be suiting up possibly. There's a lot of like innuendo that we get from him, so we don't know the official word just yet, but stay tuned to the ODPH Podcast Network, and obviously when Coach lets us know what's going on, we will have something to talk about when this league gets up and running. So stay tuned for that. Before we duck out of here, we got to talk a little pro wrestling again. Yeah. Because Pad AEW, not to be outdone with the White Rabbit, had their own uh, surprises at their AEW Grand Slam event this yeah. past week. But what was the biggest one that stood out to you? Uh, probably the wrestler formerly known as Paige, currently known as Soraya, uh, making her debut on All Elite Wrestling during night one of the two-night uh, special on uh TNT slash TBS uh, on Dynamite, which aired on September 21st uh, during the co-main event of the evening. That was the four-way match for the interim AEW Women's World Championship, uh, where, you, of course, you had Tony Storm uh, retain her, her interim title. Uh, but after the match was over, you had Soraya, to shock and surprise of everyone involved, uh, came out to the ring. Now, I talked a little bit about this on Blogs Count Anywhere this week on Parlay Points. Soraya... Or Soraya, rather, I'm sorry, that's okay. how the technical pronouncing of her name, is a big deal for AEW. But this hinges on a couple different factors. Now, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with her, she was Paige in the WWE. Uh, she had the movie Fighting With My Family. That's based off her life, getting into the WWE with Flor- Florence Pugh playing the title role. Uh, great film. Really yeah. enjoyed that one. Yeah. 
And her career was very noteworthy in WWE until it was cut short. She had a very severe neck injury that has forced her out of wrestling. Mm -hmm. And she had been doing a lot of more um, commentary work uh, with WWE backstage when that was on Fox Sports 1. And then you had her also in the SmackDown GM role. She has gone to Twitch and been very successful there. So we didn't exactly know what was going on. She did uh, leave the company. In right. July of this year. Well, her contract expired. Right, and they just didn't renew. And, yep. And, I, uh, both... the only, and the only thing I'd heard her doing since you know she left WWE was she did say she was working on a book. Yes. Although what it was entailing, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, there was a, not a lot going on that we really were knowing the of big plans like this. So obviously when AEW had their Grand Slam event at the Arthur Ashe Stadium and hearing Zombified, which is her boyfriend's band, Falling in Reverse, mm-hmm. that's their song. We're like, okay, what's going on? And seeing her walk out on stage, yeah, that was a huge, huge moment. The question is, with her, mm-hmm. is obviously, how is her neck? Mm-hmm. And can she wrestle? Because she wanted to before she left WWE, but she couldn't get cleared. Right. Much in the same way of... Uh, Brian Danielson. Mm-hmm. So now she's set to appear on AEW Dynamite this week. She is set to talk. So we're going to get a little more information. Obviously, the dirt sheets have a lot to say about it. But as we always tell you, don't put your faith in them for a lot of things. It's hear it from the direct source before you do anything. Pad, going in with this, what is your genuine reaction? I mean, it's it's good for her and good for the company because I know that's been one of the criticisms AEW, especially from everyone at six hundred seven TWS and you know the six hundred seven podcasts has said is like for as good as AEW can be, one of the drawbacks is their women's division, and that's through no fault of their own. They have a great women's division, you know, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, you know, Ruby Soho, you know, uh, Athena, you mm-hmm. know, the list just goes on and on and on. It's it's a great roster. But they just never seem, Jade Cargill, you know, they just never seem to get the time to to flourish, mm-hmm. you know, with, with having, you know, a bunch of women who are all very talented in, in, in their own ways. You know, they just, for whatever reason, just never get the time to show. So it's good. You know, it's another name to kind of bolster and, and add some prestige and legacy. Because while it's a good roster, there are companies out there with better women's rosters than them, mm-hmm. you know, but... At the same time, you know, it's a great name. It's another great name for the roster. But, you know, that that issue and that kind of speed bump, I guess you could say, is still there in that you got to give them time. You got to give them TV time, pay-per-view time, and and not YouTube time. Because I'm sorry, I don't care how much time they're given on YouTube. It's not on mainline television. And and the, the numbers I would be willing to bet don't translate well from YouTube to television that like whatever it is, YouTube's not television. Mm-hmm. You know, the, your main audience is on television. It's watching the pay-per-views. It's, you do have folks watching the, you know, the YouTube stuff. Otherwise they wouldn't, they wouldn't keep going with it, mm-hmm. you know, but we'll see. I am saying this. If she's healthy, this is a huge win for AEW. They are sorely lacking star power in that women's division, unfortunately. And they have a very talented roster, but like you much touched upon, they don't get the time to really mm-hmm. showcase their skills. And it's sad because they do have a lot of talent. But if you're talking about somebody that 
the people know, automatically connect with, Soraya is up there. Mm-hmm. And if she can bring what she had in WWE over, it's a huge get. I don't want to say the official word because I don't want AEW botches <laughs> finding me. But obviously, I, I feel that way if she can be the the page of old. Mm-hmm. However, because the thing we got to note with her neck injury, as alluded to on 607 TWS this week, was her neck was worse than Edge's was. Exactly. So if that neck is not 100% and she can't wrestle to the level that she should be, this is a failure. Yeah. And I hate saying it because I, I would love to see her write her own narrative and end her own story. Because I, I I hate seeing anybody get their career short because of injury. Mm-hmm. This is a situation with her. If she can get back to the page of old and in ring be the one that really kick-started the NXT women's revolution with Emma on, right. on the first takeover that was televised. Yep. If she's the one that can come up to the main roster and really set that on fire for being the anti-diva, that's who AEW needs because they need somebody that can connect with that crowd like Britt Baker does. Mm-hmm. Because Britt Baker is, argue, is the most over uh, she's, female wrestler. She's their female needle mover. Yeah. And Jade Cargill is right up there, but Jade is still very new to the business. And it's, unfortunately, like we say, we they haven't had enough time to really develop everybody else to get to that level. And it's very sad to see, but yeah. with Paige there, as or, I'm sorry, Soraya, that's a possibility to really happen. Mm-hmm. But they have to give it time, and she has to be able to wrestle, and she has to be back to that level. Yeah. If she's not, this is all for nothing. Well, and that's the thing, too, is she has to have been brought in to wrestle because AW, listen, I don't watch the product. I'm still aware of some stuff. They've never really done much with managers. Right. If anything at all, maybe maybe a cup of tea, but nothing, never anything long term. You know, and then if it's a behind-the-scenes role, then why the hell are you bringing her out? On, on the show, just for a cheap pop and then for a ratings spike, yeah, it has to be for her to wrestle that she got cleared, that like they got the okay, because otherwise, why the fuck are you doing this other than a cheap gimmick and a cheap ploy? Exactly. That's that's the situation that they have to, because if she is healthy, she's 100%, she can definitely bring eyes to the product. She could definitely be the needle mover they need. If she's not 100%, she's not all in, if there's more backstage drama, this will be a complete failure. And that's why I say if they bring her out on Wednesday and it's like, hey, guys, I want to I'm going to wrestle soon, but I'm just not quite ready yet. Then why the fuck did you bring her out? Exactly. Other than, like I said, it was a cheap gimmick and a, and a cheap pop. And that's something that they don't need right now. They need to get stars in there ready to rock. They, they've been up in ratings, which is a temp in the room. That's all the ratings are. So they have some momentum going right now coming out of the abysmal CM Punk Young Bucks fallout. So they need to capitalize on this. She needs to come out there, really cut a hell of a promo. If she has Britt Baker come out to challenge her or Serena Deeb, then she has to say, I'm ready to go. I think Serena Deeb would be the perfect first opponent. But sure. we have but we have to wait and see what goes on there. Very quickly, though, there's one more thing I need to talk about at EW. Okay. So Chris Jericho. Yeah. Now, have you heard what he's been uh, referring to himself as since he won the Ring of Honor world title? No. The Ocho? Oh, Christ. Because he won his eighth world title? Oh, Christ. I mean, Chris, if you want to come on the ODPH, we can talk. Because every time I'm hearing the Ocho, I'm going, wait, somebody talking about the podcast? Fozzie sucks. Pad wants that smoke. 
I just figured I'd throw that out because he is in the main event of this week's Monday Night, or uh, Wednesday Night Dynamite, should I say, against Bandito for the Ring of Honor World title. That's a big match. That's going to be a fun match. But the fact that he keeps referencing the Ocho, I'm just saying maybe we do know that people listen down in Jacksonville to the ODPH. We, we know who you are. So if Chris wants to come on and talk to us, I mean, we'll definitely talk. We can do a crossover with 607 TWS. We'll have a nice conversation with him. But I'm saying, if you keep dropping those plugs, man, just say the whole thing, odphpodcast.com, and we'll definitely uh, have something to chat about later. So that's why we say make sure to check out the latest AEW Dynamite this Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TBS. Pad, let's wrap this show up talking locks and leaps, but we got to give the standings out before we do anything. Uh, I'm going to go on record and say, uh, based off the first three weeks of the NFL season, I think this might end up being the lowest scored uh, locks and leaps season ever. Quite possibly. Matt from Hopskeeks News is at the top of the leaderboard with 11. Rich from 3FN is right behind with 9. Yours truly is there with 8. Then we have a tie at 7 with Mac East from the We Get Dub podcast. And Derek from Brody Sports Talk. Right behind him is Caleb from Brody Sports Talk at 6. JVD is at 5. JT from the East Coast Avengers, fresh off Memphis Comic Expo, is at 5 points as well. Your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, and Padawan J, Joey from the So Wizard Podcast, all tied at four. And last but certainly not least is Evan the Great from the uh, Crossover Collision Podcast and Jay West from the We Get Dub Podcast with three. So, Pad, what's one lock and one leap for you this week? Uh, so, my one lock, I'm going to choose the Detroit Lions, who are currently favored against the Seattle Seahawks by four and a half points. Uh, and then for my leap, I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals, who are currently uh, one-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Carolina Panthers. You got my leap, too. I'm taking Arizona as okay. well. That's that's probably the safest leap. The leaps are dog shit this week. Yeah, the leaps are absolutely trash this week. Absolute trash. But for my lock, fly, Eagles, fly. I do not fear Trevor Lawrence coming to the Eagles stadium. My, my fantasy team likes to hear that. Yes, I think that they're going to have a big game. I think that this is going to be a shootout, but I do like Philly in this one. Uh, currently favored six and a half, so I'll definitely take that all day, every day. And if you want to find out more about the Locks and Leaps, make sure you're following uh, ODPH Podcast on Facebook because we definitely post the results there. It's the top pin tweet, so you definitely want to go check that out. I have to update it right now because we have a lot going on heading towards New York Comic Con next week. So that said... We'll keep it short and sweet. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, make sure to check out odphpodcast.com. That's all for this week. So for the one only, Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Gotta beat to the punch. Gotta beat to the punch. Cause they can't bring me.